Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 174. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Gerard Kraft. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today? Always. <laughs> yes. All right. A native of Washington, D.C., Chef Kraft became addicted to the restaurant life while living in Salt Lake City as a snowboard photographer. Chef Kraft went on to cook at Bistro Tujours in Park City, Utah, and Chateau Marmont in Los Angeles, California, as well as a stage at Ryland Inn in White House Station, New Jersey, before making the leap to open a restaurant of his own. In 2005, at the age of 25, Chef Kraft started his own restaurant, Niche, in St. Louis, Missouri. Today, the Niche Food Group includes Taste by Niche, Brasserie by Niche, Pasteria, and opening soon, Pirano Pasta. Chef Kraft's creative yet simple food has earned him recognition as Food & Wine's Best New Chef, Inc. Magazine's Star Entrepreneurs Under 30, as well as this year's James Beard Foundation's Award for Best Chef Midwest. Well, first of all, congratulations for all that. And I'm pumped to get your story uh, and your advice. But before we do that, we need to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. So what do you have for us today? So our mantra is it's all about we. So, you know, nothing's done alone. Nothing's done by yourself. Uh, you know, no matter what it is we do in life, we're kind of always doing it as part of a part of a, a bigger team or a bigger tribe. All about we. I love it, Chef. And that's one of the things I've noticed from all of my guests is that they don't take the credit. It's always about everyone else and how grateful they are for the team behind them. And I think that's just one of the, the most common characteristics of being successful in this industry. What do you think? I think it's one of the biggest characteristics of anybody who's doing anything great you know again nobody can do anything by themselves all all the greatest all the greatest people out there are kind of backed by great teams uh, great families etc so. awesome i love it so let me ask you chef what is your why what's your purpose like why do you do what you do i'm always trying to create a legacy so uh something that's bigger than myself, something that's bigger than everything that we do. We're just kind of constantly looking at, at the the bigger purpose of everything we're doing. So were you, would you say that you wake up every day just trying to kind of create a memory, something that to leave behind when it's all said and done? Yep. That's awesome, man. I, I love that. So on to the next question. When did you know that a career in this industry – you're, you know, working in the restaurant industry was going to be more than just a job, but your career. I mean, was there a time you can dial back to a, like a specific moment in time where you can take us where you just kind of, you knew and it clicked for you? I mean, the funny thing is that, that most of my early career, I still thought I was going to do something in the snowboarding industry, whether mm -hmm. it was photography and then beyond that, whether it was uh, clothing and, and things like that. I kind of always wanted to be involved in that part of the world. And I always wanted to, 
be my own businessman, so okay. to speak. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that was definitely a, a dream of mine to own my own business. And I never really put two and two together uh, until a little bit further, further down. And when I was at the Chateau Marmont in Los Angeles, I started to learn a little bit more about the, the business side from uh, my then mentor, uh, Muhammad Islam. And he kind of, he, he taught me a lot of the ins and outs of running the business. And then I started to see it differently, right? I started mm-hmm. to see food as a business and uh, and started to, again, you know, put it together and, and realize that I could do something bigger in food. Awesome. I mean, so you're from Washington, D.C. You went out to Salt Lake City to uh, pursue your career in photography and snowboarding. So all that time, most of your life, were you working in the restaurant industry, like just to, uh, you know, be able to afford what you were chasing at that time? So pretty much. So uh, originally when I moved out to Utah, I was in college. In high school, I apprenticed with a snowboard photographer and then went off to college and, and was doing snowboard photography on the side. And then uh, school stopped working out for me. And so I got a job uh, as a dishwasher. And that was kind of my my in into the food service industry. And it wasn't until you were working in Los Angeles, or was it, yeah, California, that you knew working for, uh, what was the, the gentleman's name again? Mohammed? Um, Chef Mohammed Islam, yeah. And that was when you knew that this industry was going to be a potentially career for you. I mean, can you remember the moment, a conversation you had with him where it was like a pivotal point, or was it something that just happened gradually over time? You know, I, there was one night uh, when... When I first went out there, I was just working in the pastry department uh, with Chef Malika Amin and uh, his then wife. And I, yeah, obviously, I didn't, well, I didn't really want to be in the pastry department, mm-hmm. although she's one of the best pastry chefs I've ever met. Like one night, he took me up to the chateau, and I ended up jumping in on the line and just kind of bailing them out of a tough night. I had never seen the kitchen, and I had never seen the menu. You know, and and that was definitely a point where I realized that I could cook. You know, and uh, and that I actually had a skill of something, and I haven't been good at a lot of things in life, uh, <laughs> even though I've wanted to do them. You know, but uh, but but I think I started to realize that that I could do this, and that you know it gave me some confidence and and some motivation. That's awesome. And one of the things I want to point out, I mean, you were 25 years old when you started your own restaurant and in the past 10 years you've grown to multiple concepts i mean it seems like when you made the decision how old were you when you were uh working in los angeles oh god what was i about uh 22 so in three years i guess is the point that i'm trying to make is when you committed to knowing that this was going to be your career man you made it happen which is just really impressive because it's a short time to learn yeah, well, <laughs> you know, whatever you did, you did something One of the right. Two. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, that's really impressive. Yeah, no, being a sous chef there was a uh, was a great experience, and and I got to learn a lot again about management, and you know, I learned a lot of what not to do, honestly, as far as I mean, from myself because I was an overeager young uh, jerk of a sous chef, but uh, but it was a great experience. 
Well, I mean, we can take away a great lesson from this is that, you know, you, you just have to take a risk and pull the trigger and start taking action to get to your goals. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did is you made the decision. You wanted to pursue a career and make this your life. And in three years, you made it happen. And, man, that is really impressive. So congratulations on that. Thank you. No problem, dude. So what are your it factors, Chef? If you could narrow it down to, like, maybe two or three habits, characteristics, traits you have that you think most contribute to your success, what would they be? Number one, I'm, I'm extremely competitive, and our entire group is extremely competitive. Uh, we don't like to lose. So that, that's one of the biggest driving forces. And, uh, and you know, I kind of like to, to, to do anything to get mm-hmm. there. And so uh, we, we push really hard. Uh, and... You don't always have to be. I was never the best at anything. I'm never the best in school. I, you know, I, I think I was a very good line cook. I was never the best line cook. Um, I was never the best uh, sous chef. I was never the best anything per se. But the idea is that, that you don't have to be the best. You have to push the hardest. Mm. So you know, like like everything in life, uh, not everybody's uh, just gifted. Right, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are a few people out there. I mean, I think Jeremy Fox uh, is a chef is just gifted, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, but but there are very few of those people out there. So the rest of us, you gotta try really, really hard, you know, and you gotta try extra hard. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I think I've always had that kind of motivation and that motor to to push me to do that. Chef Kraft, I can't agree more with you. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love this industry, too, because I'm right there with you, man. I'm not the smartest dude out there, but I just love to work. And I think this industry just layer or levels the the playing field for the opportunity for su- success. Because if you're just somebody who likes to get in there and just work hard and show up every day um, and you just love to be a beast, you know, just to work, you have great potential in this industry. And that's a really yeah. uh, great thing to point out. Are there any other it factors aside from your competitive nature and your ability just to work like an animal uh, that you think contributes to your success? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I constantly love learning. Mm. Uh, you know, I desire new information every day. So I'm constantly reading and, uh, you know, constantly trying to learn something new and that could be in anything that could be in recipes you know new dishes um or it could be in management and uh leadership you know so you know that that desire to learn i think is is super important that that understanding that you don't know everything in fact you don't know very much on a regular basis i think is really really important for me Absolutely. As Stephen R. Covey says in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, you've got to sharpen the sword or sharpen the blade. Um, You can't just show up every day with the same blade. It's going to get dull over time. You need to stay sharp. And I think that is a huge contributing factor. Absolutely. But how do you find the time, Chef, to constantly learn when you're operating, you know, you're the the executive chef for, is it five concepts? Yep. So, uh, you know, you just find it. It can be... Two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> you, you just gotta. So is another one of your it. it factors not sleeping? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's uh, again, it's it's working harder yeah. than everybody else. I it's, hear you. Uh, it's staying up a little later. It's you know, people people tell me that all the time. I don't have time to read. I say, yeah. okay. I say, but but you you do. <laughs> You're just not willing to to make it. And yeah. you know, th- that's a 
those are investments we make in ourselves when we when we take the time to read a book or uh, you know whether it's hopping on an airplane to go somewhere and, and taking those three hours instead of taking a nap and and reading a new book. Man, I love your attitude, and it's so true. People always say they don't have time, but it, it's a matter of making time and working it into your your schedule, your lifestyle. So awesome stuff. So can you think of a story, Chef, where one of these it factors, whether it be your competitive nature, your constant uh, you know, love for learning or being a work animal where you just you know, can bring us through that moment where it helped you get to the next level? Yeah, you know um... – I mean, I think my entire life's kind of been like that. Uh, but Get specific. But I think, you know, Give during us... the recession, okay. uh, you know, I, I think one, one of the reasons a lot of places fail is because they give up, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, when, when things – everything's easy when you're busy and you're new and you're fresh. But, you know, when we were in the middle of the big recession and, you know, it was around 2009 – 2010, um, we were just hemorrhaging money. We had expanded. We thought, you know, look, we're going to try and expand during a recession because we get better deals. But, I mean, we're just getting killed. And, Mm -hmm. you know, quite frankly, I wasn't paying enough attention to finances. Uh, You know, I just wasn't on top of it. And, uh, and, you know, through kind of embracing failure, which is, again, one of our biggest uh, values in our group, you know, instead of pulling the plug, we really sat down and said, okay, like this is the the hand we're dealt right now, mm-hmm. so it's it's a different model, you know. We're not having private parties every single night. We're not, uh, you know, it's not the same anymore. And mm-hmm. we could whine about it. We could close the restaurant. We could do anything, or we could figure out the new way to do it. And we did. And we, uh, you know, tightened our belts and worked harder and pushed harder and uh, made the changes that we needed to make and. And we pushed our way through the recession, not only pushed our way through the recession, but opened up uh, Posteria towards the tail end, or at least landed the deal towards the tail end, and and really boosted our uh, company to the next level. So That's awesome. So would you say the if factor that most shines through in this example is just that ability to work harder than everybody else? <laughs> That's a big one, that, that work <laughs> ethic and that drive. <laughs> You know, being humble, embracing failure, and and all of those things are so important mm-hmm. to all of that. Knowing when you're wrong and uh, and and doing something different, you know, doing something about it. Awesome, man! Great stuff. Um, so you kind of just shared a failure with us in that story, but it doesn't really sound like you really fell hard on your ass. So can you bring us through a story now, Chef, where you really just you know landed? hard on your backside with a failure um, and get specific with the failure, like where you went wrong, what you did wrong and what you learned from that failure. Like you said, you embrace failure. So bring us through that moment and then tell us, you know, how you came out of it. Man, I, I don't know if I have a bigger failure than almost going out of business. Um, <laughs> so what do you think your biggest mistake is? Let's just dive deeper into this moment. Like, where do you think you went wrong? Was it trying to expand too fast during a bad economy? Like, no, you know, I think it was not, being on top of it you know we were we were in the midst of success we had uh you know just one food and food and wine best new chef mm-hmm. and uh you know we were rolling hard and then the recession hit kind of right after but it was kind of kept up the same thing and you know again you know some of my nights might have been filled with uh you know 
drinking and, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily studying. Yeah. Um, you know, we were having fun. Mm-hmm. We were living it up and we didn't have our eye on the ball. And yeah. so, and, and, and we did, we, we dropped really, really hard. I mean, I was out, uh, in New York and San Francisco looking for jobs. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, it, no, I mean it, it definitely was my lowest uh, lowest point, and uh, and again you can wallow in that, and which I did for a bit, uh, you know. But then, but then you got to really pull yourself up, and you got to push. Mm, I love it. And, you know, when I, mean, I have a background in aviation, I went to school to study uh, aviation. I was a commercial pilot for a while. And there's a saying in that industry, um, you know, all the bad things happen when you're sitting fat, dumb, and happy. When you're in route and you're not paying attention, you're reading your magazine, and you just get fat, dumb, and happy. And that's when you'll get hit the hardest is when you're just, you know, you've reached a point, And this has come up before in the show where you reach a point of success and you're at the top, and then that's when people, I mean, this industry, there's sharks on your heels. If you don't keep going, there's just one more guy right there yeah. to push harder. And uh, I think, you know, that's a great example of what happens when, you know, you're successful, but you you caught it, you noticed it, and then you just pushed. And another thing that's worth, you know, pointing out is that you just had your eyes on the future. Yeah, you can wallow in your sorrows, or you can say, crap. What am I doing here? Let's uh, let's do something about this. And it sounds like you did something about it, Chef. So awesome story. Uh, we've crushed the first half of this episode. You're <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, just absolutely killing it. Are you ready to blow us away with some bombs of knowledge now? <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. All right, man. The first question I have for you, Chef, is what is your advice for getting that initial capital to get started? I mean, you're 25 again. You're getting a restaurant or money to open your first restaurant. Like, what advice do you have from that experience? Um, have a brother who is a hedge fund manager, um, and who feels bad for beating you up all through your youth. <laughs> um, or, uh, you know, I, I, I think there are different ways, you know, these days, uh, the, the landscape's changed. I'm watching people, uh, you know, do things on, you know, through social media and through crowdfunding. And I think that's uh, a pretty cool way for young people to to get the word out. Um, obviously, there is the bank route, mm-hmm. um, but you know, a lot of times they they don't want to give people they don't really want to get a, give people a shot. So I think you know what I'm what I'm seeing today is watching uh, a lot of young chefs do things like pop ups mm-hmm. uh, to get the word out and to draw attention to them to get investors, and then the second thing right there is be realistic you know I, I see a lot of people's plans out there where you know they just they think everybody just wants to invest in you for a vanity project most investors aren't like that these days mm-hmm. you know most investors want to understand what kind of return they can make even if it's not crazy but they they want to know that that you're thinking about uh what their return might be mm-hmm. uh that that you have their best interests at heart and a lot of people really uh, eager to invest in people that, that that are really honest and sincere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, so what I'm hearing is make friends with people who know how to manage money or that can help you get money or at least put together a business plan or something, uh, whether they work at a bank or whatever it is, uh, that helps. Uh, start a pop-ups. Uh, and what can you just explain real quickly uh, what pop-ups are, just in case somebody out there doesn't know exactly what sure. it is? 
So people set up uh, temporary restaurants. So they may approach a restaurant that's closed on Sunday and Monday and say, hey, can I pay you a, you know, a cut off of my ring if I open a part-time restaurant on Sundays or something like that? So to me, that, that is like one of the best ways just to scale. I feel like so many times people, they have this vision and they're like, they want to open with 150 seats. And, you know, like, it's like, why not just scale or start a food truck or do something like this, like a pop-up and then build a name for yep. yourself? Because realistically, like what you said before, with the, the Kickstarters and crowdfunding, it's all about that network and getting your name out there. Because unless you don't have that network, I mean, you need that network to get the crowdfunding done. So that's a great way to do it. And then be realistic. And I love how you wrapped it up with win-win situations, essentially, is what I heard from you with that, where yeah. you know, everybody just looks to get money, but they aren't really thinking about their investors and what they can give their investors. And I think that approach must have a way better outcome. So much better. Awesome, man. Great stuff. Thank you. So the next question I have for you is on the topic of hiring people. I mean, and you said it early on that you, know, you just surround yourself with amazing people. It's uh, all about we. So how do you get those we? Like, where do you go? What are you looking for? What questions are you asking? Um, great attitude. That's that's before skill. That's before uh, everything. Uh, you know, I, I want people with great attitudes. Um, you know, bad attitudes in a restaurant or any business are really like cancer. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know, it doesn't matter how good they are, they will they will bring your restaurant down. And so we're not interested in that. So we like great attitude, um, good work ethic, uh, you know, people that are uh, energetic and uh, just sharp people. And so, so we we really just try and watch people closely. And you know, I've got my eyes on a lot of people in the industry, definitely around here and in other places. That you know, we we just try and keep our eyes out for for bright young people awesome device great so when you get so easy right yeah it's it's so easy but so hard uh (laughs) so when you find these great people with the right attitude chef how do you keep them on your team how do you retain them you know that that's the toughest one honestly and and i've learned uh really really hard lessons over the year about how you treat people Right, mm-hmm. and and you know the the days of being a chef who yells at people and and uh, you know you know has temper tantrums and you know keeps people on on uh, you know on anxiety's edge all the time that that just doesn't work anymore. So so you know recognize talent and then try and be a mentor for those people. Mm-hmm. Keep people learning. Keep people uh, motivated. You know, I think uh, when you keep people moving and when you keep people energized and when they're learning constantly, they're way more apt to stay at a place. Because really good people, you know, just like we talked about early, earlier, they want to learn. Mm-hmm. And so as long as they're learning, people are way more apt to stay with you over money or, you know, anything else you might be able to offer them. Absolutely. It all taps into Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, if you're not familiar, Absolutely. Yeah, if you're not familiar with Peak, uh, that book is awesome. But he talks about this. I mean, it's one of those higher needs, man. Like, it's not yeah. enough to get a paycheck today. Like, you need to 
feel like you're growing and the best way to feel like you're growing like you said is to learn and to grow as an individual so awesome stuff I love that it. book blew my mind by the way <laughs> oh, peak oh peak yeah was one of the greatest books ever written oh yeah absolutely um so perfect segue uh let's talk about some resources what are some books like you said you just love to learn uh we already talked about peak uh maybe start off with that one what you loved about that book and uh, share a few more with us because I'm really interested to see what you have to say in this question. You know, it's funny. My, my comment about uh, investors, I mean, I've always kind of inherently known, obviously, that, mm-hmm. that you know, r- investors want to make money. <laughs> That's why they invest. Um, but, but I think understanding uh, that, that investors really want to know that you have your best their best interests at heart when you're doing things, you know, that that's kind of really broken down in the book peak. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, his, his way of, of talking about your employees, your investors, um, is, is really, really amazing and your customers. So peak is, is an amazing book. Um, Phil Jackson's, uh, 11 rings, Eleven Again, rings. Yeah, Is that what eleven it was? rings. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that that's an incredible book. It really talks about uh, okay. tribal leadership. Tribal which leadership, is, which is something I'm I'm super into. Okay. Awesome. And then one one of my my two books that that really inspired me from a young age was Life or Death from Russell Simmons, and then Losing uh, My Virginity from um, Richard Branson. Those were both incredible books on business and growth and awesome. how to do it. Great. Those uh, last few books are all a first mention. So it was 11 Rings, uh, Losing My Virginity, and what was that second book that you mentioned? Uh, Life or Death Life by or Russell Death. Simmons. Awesome. Um, and those last two books, just give a major takeaway, uh, Life or Death and Losing My Virginity. Like, What are uh, one takeaway from each one of those books? Um, you know, the, the persistence that I think, uh, Russell Simmons had in, in creating Def Jam Records is, is really inspiring. Kind of how he started it from nothing and, and how he went up against, you know, the big guys, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and something that most people would say was impossible and created, you know, one of the biggest music empires ever built. Um, and then, uh, Richard Branson, yeah. Uh, the the thought that this guy, you know, uh, you know, from kind of, you know, music magazine to record shop to owning an airline, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, talk about uh, talk about big dreams and and going after them. Uh, you know, that guy does it every single day, and everybody out there could say, well, he had money, he had this, he had that. Like he went for it, and mm-hmm. and it's like we talked about earlier. Sometimes uh, you can talk about your dreams all day long, but but sometimes you just got to go for it. Absolutely, man, I love it. And I just want to make an example of you because um, it's so important to. I mean, there's so, they say you're the average of the five people you spend your time around, right? So reading yeah. is like the best way to do that. And when you are just constantly surrounding yourselves with the thoughts of these incredible people, it only brings you up. And I just want to say, I mean, I, I, that has to have something to do with your success. I mean, what would you say your success rate would be if you didn't push yourself to learn and surround yourselves with the thoughts of all these incredible people? I couldn't have done it. 
Mm. I, I can't do it. Couldn't have done it. Uh, and on and on. It's you. You need it. Yeah, and I, I've got to make a, a, a selfish plug, not for me, but for uh, something that's changed my life, which is Audible. I mean, do you listen to audiobooks? Uh, so far, oh, I guess I'm on your site uh, looking at Audible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's awesome. Audiobooks has, has again, changed my life because I can have it in my car. So when I'm running from restaurant to restaurant, I'm usually listening to a book. Yeah, and I have to ask because I'm always pushing Audible. And yes, I mean to be transparent, I get fifteen dollars every time somebody uses my link to sign up. But I'm telling you, like I'm not just saying it. Like you have to push yourself to learn. And I mean, yeah, it will help me out if you use my links. But you owe it to yourself, and you're just living proof of that. So thank you for just. The third days, I don't want to get out of my car because <laughs> I'm just like so into a book that I've got going on. So, so take Chef Craft's advice and look into Audible. It's the first month is free. If you don't absolutely love it, just you know, cancel your membership. But I guarantee you, you won't. And make sure to use my links: audibletrial.com/unstoppable. All right, no more plugs. Moving on to <laughs> the next question. All right, so if you could just give us one uh, knowledge bomb on marketing and how to market your restaurant, what would it be? Uh, have the best wife ever who is amazing <laughs> with social media, um, which my wife, uh, Susie, is. But on top of that, it's really engaging with your customers. And so, you know, whether the marketing is you going out in your dining room occasionally and talking to people, um, that is marketing. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, being involved uh <laughs> fun social events and so that can mean teaming up with with another restaurant local restaurant or something for charity is a great way again to get your name out there and uh do something bigger than yourself do something for somebody else so those are always great and then just uh you know responding to people on social media trying to trying to really connect with people i think is is the biggest thing because you know people can often look at Look at restaurateurs and and chefs, or everything is uh, is just kind of figures on the internet. That's why it's so easy for people to rip people on Yelp. But if you connect with people, I think uh, you let them know that you're human, and and they become more involved in your brand awesome. as a result. I love it, and I mean, just even a bigger, broader lesson there. Um, is just leveraging the strengths of other people. Like you said, like you came out of the gates with it, uh, having your wife manage social media. She's awesome at social media. Like who do you have on your team where you can delegate that role to and leverage their strengths, which is just really you know great advice there from you too. Thank you. All right. The next question is on the topic of technology. I mean, there's so many things you can do in this industry, so many tools you can leverage. Technology is expanding faster than ever, and you can really use technology to accelerate the systems and processes in your business. So what are some of the the tools, whether it be an app on your iPhone or a tool in the front of house you're using or a tool in the back of house you're using that's uh, something you would recommend to our listeners? So there's a there's a, an app called Bonfire B O N B O N F Y R E, and we use it to communicate through the restaurants. And so they're kind of uh, imagine they're like private Twitter networks. Okay. And so we can set up whatever we want. So we have a pasta management one. We have a niche management one, uh, taste management one. Then we have 
uh, an entire group one, really try and connect the entire group community. Okay. Uh, and, and that could be everything from updating people, things that are going on in the company, or it could just be, uh, you know, fun, fun events or what, what people are doing. And it's, it's really a way for people to see everybody else, you know, and kind of uh, stay connected and feel like they're a part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So bonfire. Bonfire, awesome. yeah. So it sounds like basically it's just an app for improving communication. Absolutely. Great. Which I am so bad at <laughs> communicating. So every app that I have that helps that, I'm all about it. Awesome. That's the first time that's been mentioned on the show as well. Thank you for that. Are there any other tools you want to share nice. with us? Yeah, I mean, you know, so Google Docs and uh, Google Calendar and all of that stuff. Our company's really, really big on on all of those. Yeah, and one thing to mention. great tools for. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. Bonfire is free. Is that free? Bonfire is free. So I know Google so Docs. Awesome. Yeah, Google Docs, uh, Google Calendar, Google um, Drive. All these tools are free, um, which is really important just to point out because – uh, like I've, I've used Google Docs in the restaurant just to house uh, systems, checklists, operation handbooks. Like it's all right there. And when mm-hmm. you make it accessible like that, people do – they do not have any excuse to check it out. I mean almost everybody has a Gmail account today. And if they don't, then they can make one. Uh, but you really have to give people the tools to be successful and that's a great – tool uh just google in general thanks for pointing that out all right man you're crushing it so if you could go back in time and have a conversation with yourself when you're 25 years old starting your own restaurant what's one piece of business advice you'd give yourself back then oh uh the the biggest piece i would give back back then is you know i i I was young hard-headed super driven but but I don't think we was part of my vocabulary back then, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I think that's really uh, taken me to the next level as a leader. So I, I would have told myself that like be more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like you were saying, you know, I'm lucky I have my wife for social media, um, but you know there are a lot of people in your company that have a lot of great ideas. Utilize them. They're going to be happier, and you're going to be happier, and your customers are going to be happier. Yeah, absolutely, and it kind of reminds me of a quote you're talking. I just finished uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins, and he quotes somebody in that book, but he says, um, anything can be achieved as long as you don't mind letting others take the credit for it is how it goes. So, I mean, you can really achieve anything as long as you are okay with giving the credit to other people and knowing that you can't do it alone. So. Awesome stuff. Are there any questions, Chef, I could have asked you that you think would have brought more value to this interview? No, I think you, you nailed it. When I saw your question list, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Homework. I uh, put a lot of thought into it, so I do appreciate that compliment. Thank you so much, Chef. Um, fantastic. <laughs> Best questions I've had on an interview thank by you. far. Thank you very much. So we're going to wrap it up, Chef, and we wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. So who is one mentor maybe you've had in your life or somebody you admire in this industry, an indie restaurant professional that you think would make a great guest? on the show Ooh, somebody who um i mean some of my favorite young uh restaurant entrepreneurs out there uh, and uh, maybe they've been on here but i don't know uh 
uh, Andy Tyser and Michael Hudman. Ooh, I have not had them on the show. From uh, Hog and Hominy and Andrew Michael's Italian Kitchen. Um, they're, they're just killing it in Memphis. And some of the nicest people in the world and some of the smartest. So, so that was Andy and Michael? Mm-hmm. All right, guys, look out. I am coming after you. We're going to get you on the show. And, Chef, let the folks at home know, the aspiring restaurant professionals listening to this podcast, how they can connect with you, maybe on social media, if they want to connect to pick up the conversation and have some questions for you, or maybe they want to come out and work for the, the Niche Food Group. How can we connect? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Gerard F. Craft, and that's uh, F is in Ford, so Gerard F. Craft. C-R-A-F-T. Um, and then they can email us at nichestlouis.com. And that's uh, niche, N-I-C-H-E, St. Louis, S-T-L-O-U-I-S.com. All right. And if you guys are driving down the road listening to this podcast, don't get in a car accident. I'll have everything uh, hosted right there at restaurantunstoppable.com slash Gerard Crafts. Uh, all the links to everything we talked about, the books Chef recommended, and how to connect are right there in the show notes. Chef, man, you crushed this interview. Amazing advice. I'm like uh, all geared up right now, if you can't tell. Thank you so much. <laughs> for taking the time to be a guest mentor on the show, man. There's no question. Oh, you are thank you. Unstoppable. My, my pleasure. Cheers. Cheers, man. If you guys aren't pumped up right now after that interview, go get checked out. You need help. There's something wrong with you because that was awesome. Chef Gerard Kraft just loading us with incredible advice in this interview. Uh, just so many things worth talking about, worth pointing out, but... It's all there. It's all as clear as day. Uh, if you didn't pick up on it, listen, listen to it again. Uh, I don't even know where to start on this recap. But I think one thing uh, that is totally worth pointing out is how fast he made things happen in his life. He was 23 years old when he made the commitment to this industry. and Or 22 years old. And in three years, by the time he was 25, he opened his first restaurant and just has been successful ever since. If you guys want to achieve your dreams, you have to pull the trigger and take action and start making things just happen in your life. And I think Chef Craft, man, just an awesome example of that. Thanks for telling your story. I mean, he said it himself. He couldn't have done it if he didn't push himself to learn and to surround himself with all these incredible minds through reading books. And this podcast, you can do the same thing. 174 episodes as of today. Go through the archive, listen to the advice of these incredible mentors, and take their advice and apply it in your life. Or just read books like he said. That's another great way to do it. And like I mentioned, you're helping Restaurant Unstoppable out. If you use my links, audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. The links will be in the show notes as well. This podcast is free to you. And the way I can continue to keep on delivering this content is if you use my links and support my show. Other ways you can support the show is by leaving a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. That really helps with getting the rankings up, helping me get found and then you can go over to restaurant unstoppable go to the support page and leave a small donation to help cover the expenses believe me every little bit helps and it's so much appreciated all right guys um like always shoot me an email eric at restaurant unstoppable follow me on twitter uh 
at Eric Cacciatore. Always looking to connect. Uh, shoot me your tweets. Let me know who you want on the show. Uh, retweet this content. Share it with people who, who you think could benefit from all this incredible advice. I'll stop talking now. Thank you so much for joining us today. And until next time, peace out.